0: So I want to welcome you guys here. Welcome to the series. Next week, Tim will be here to wrap things up with part three of this message series. Now, I want to make sure that you guys understand. Last week, Josh Vining you know, preached, and he said that he was going to give you guys some spoilers on the movie, and but that that was okay, and you could go back and watch it. Well, for today, there will be no spoilers if you have already seen this movie. If not, I'm sorry. I can't help you. But... Just so you know what the movie is, it's 1917. I want to give you kind of just the 32,000 foot overview of the movie if you haven't seen it. It is a World War I movie. Uh, Obviously, there are two guys that have a very important message. There is a battalion that is going to go into a battle tomorrow morning, and if this message doesn't get to them and call off that attack, it's going to be a total annihilation. It's a trap. They set it up to be that way, and if they're not careful and don't get there and carry on that message... Lots of people, are going to lose their lives. So it's very important. But the message that we have is even more important. And that's why the title of my message is Actions Speak Louder Than Words. Because you can tell somebody anything. But if you do it, that means more. Like I I could come up here and tell you, yeah, I'll help you move, sure. But if I don't do it, what, what does that help you? Just for me to tell you something doesn't do anything. You need to do it. They could have gotten their message and then just been like, yeah, walked right out and been like, hey, don't do that attack. But they didn't. They had to do. They had to go. They had to act. And that is the same thing that we have to do. We have to go and do and act and be the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, stand together as we read from James. James 1, 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let us pray. Father, I just thank you so much that you have given us this opportunity to come together today into your house and to give you the glory. I ask now, Father, that you open up our hearts and our minds, that we hear the words and the message that you have for us today. Allow us to experience you in a way that we never have before. And it's in your name that we ask all of this. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Now, I, I have two messages today. One is for the non believer, and it's a message that I need you to hear. But for believers, I have a message that I need you to deliver. Now, what is that message? That brings us to point one in our notes, and that's that our message is the gospel. That's our message, the gospel. It's the good news. The word is actually evangelio, and that's where we get our word evangelism, which is uh, the zealous spread of a cause. That cause for us being the zealous spread of the cause of Christianity, the zealous spread of the cause of Jesus Christ. Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, uh, first Corinthians 15, three through four says, for I delivered you as of first importance what I also had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scripture. What's the gospel? At the most basic level, the gospel is that, That according to the scriptures, according to what the Old Testament scripture said would happen, Jesus came down in the form of a man. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived his life. So he had the same chance for sin and struggles and errors that we had. He had the same life as a man that we had. But because he was also God, he was able to forego falling into the temptations of sin, be pure to the point where he was able to die a death on the cross And through his death and then resurrection three days later was able to be the perfect sacrifice for all of our sins. Rising from the dead, ascending to heaven, and then sending the Holy Spirit down to be a guide for us. At the most basic level, that's your gospel. That's the gospel message. But there's so much more to it than that. And the problem that we have to come in and we have to really think about is we worry so much about a physical death. But we don't worry about a spiritual death. Like if this was poison and somebody was going to drink it, you would warn them. You'd say, hey, don't drink that. That's poison. You will die. Don't do that. But how much more so should we care about the death of someone's soul that has an eternal effect? This is a physical, temporary effect. Their physical body will die. But how much more should we care about the one part of their body that will live on forever? either in heaven with Christ or separated eternally from Christ. That is the hope that we as believers have. We have that hope. No matter what happens in life, no matter what struggles we have, we have hope. People in the world have struggles and without Christ, they have no hope. We have to show them and deliver them the hope so that they're not just a hearer of it, but we become doers that make them doers of that same gospel. Let's look at what it says in 2 Corinthians. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self, our physical, is wasting away. Our inner self, our soul, is being renewed day by day for this light. Momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look Not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We are currently living in just a blip, just a blink of an eye. Our life, no matter how long you live, your life is just a blip. It's like a grain of sand on a beach. What you do with that time is what matters. The tagline for this movie, 1917, is... Time is the enemy. That's the same thing that each of us has to understand with our own lives. Time is the enemy. Do you spend your time fully focused on just the physical? Or do you decide to step out and work on the one thing that will last beyond that the spiritual? But not just caring about your own physical and your own spiritual but the spiritual health and well-being of other people in you. That is the gospel. The gospel isn't that you hear, your soul is saved, now you're good. It's the living and the doing of that gospel so that other people, all other people, can receive that same hope that you have. Let's check out this first video. The thing I like the most about that clip is the intensity of it. Like When it starts, you can almost feel the heat from that fire and then you know, he's looking around, he's trying to see what's going on, and then he sees somebody at a distance, and he's not sure. Like, is is that my friend that I'm with? Is that somebody else? Who is that? And he's he's looking, and you see the moment where he realizes he's under attack. That's the way we have to be in life, always on guard about what can happen. Because you never know when the enemy's gonna attack. Sometimes it's just like that. You're there and you're kind of on guard, and it's at the last second, you're like, oh. I need to run, I am under attack right now. Now, a lot of times that's gonna be an outside effect. That's gonna be an outside attack. It's gonna be a temptation from the world. But sometimes it's gonna be an internal temptation, a temptation that of not following the scripture, not following the gospel, not listening to what God has told you to listen to. And that inside struggle is the same thing, it's that same intensity. You can't see it. It's not a physical attack on you. It's not an outside sinful attack on you. But inside, you're, you're struggling with what God has told you, with being obedient to his word. And if you notice at the end of this clip, the guy doesn't say, that's it, I've had enough, and just lay down. He turns to walk away because he knows I've still got a message, I've still got something to do, and even though I'm in the midst of this attack and all this is around me, I have still got a message that I have to get From here to there or people will die. Now, if we think about, so Mark Twain had a quote and it says, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. That's the way a lot of us as Christians live. Some parts of the Bible are crystal clear and those are sometimes the hardest parts because it's in direct opposition of the way we want to live our lives. The things we want to do, the things we want to say, the things we want to experience, it's in direct opposition. So let's see what I'm talking about. Jesus said this in John 14:15. If you love me, follow my commands. Crystal clear. You can't interpret that any other way. Jesus said, if you love me, follow my commands. All right? What are these commands? Walk humbly with God. Just read this earlier. Care for orphans and widows. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Do not be conformed to this world. Speak truth. Do all things without grumbling. Be content with what you have. All of these things... Crystal clear. You cannot interpret any of those things other than what they say. And then finally he says in Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them as we saw today, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He doesn't say, hear what I told you and obey. He says, go and make disciples, teaching them What I have commanded you, what you have already read, what you already understand, what you have already experienced, go and do it, act on it, be that for other people. The problem is that's not always easy. And I will tell you that if you don't know what you believe, nobody else will either. If you can't communicate to somebody what you believe, they will have no idea how, why or what you have going on in your life. You can tell somebody I'm a Christian. Okay, what's that mean? Oh, it, it means that I follow Jesus. Okay, what does that mean? What does that do for you? It means that I'll go to heaven. Okay, but why? how is being a Christian different than what I am? You have to be able to communicate your beliefs clearly so that they understand the message that God has given you. That brings us to point number two. If you can communicate your message, that message should spread. That message should spread. It shouldn't stop with you. You shouldn't hear the word of God, hear the message of God, hear the gospel, and then stop. Like, that's good. I understand it. I'm good. It should spread. Other people should know what you believe. If you know what you believe, other people know what you believe, and they want to believe it too. They want to get on board with what you're believing and what you're talking about and see how you've changed. That's the, that's the key right there. Not just that you're doing it lip service, oh, I'm changed, I accepted Jesus. No, you are now a different person in God. Your actions are different, the things you do are different, the things you say are different. So I'm not just telling you, hey, I'm gonna help you move, I am moving you. Because you see the physical manifestation of what God has done in your life. Let's check out our next clip. Now something you should know if you haven't seen the movie, Obviously, the one guy is trying to get the message there to save the battalion, but also his brother. You know, that's his family, his brother. He wants to save his life. The other guy, up to this point, not quite on board. You know, they're they're going over valleys and hills and under these underground trenches, and he's talking to him about alternate ways they could do this. You know, are we sure we need to do this? Can't somebody else do this? Couldn't we do this, this, this? Trying to think of different ways. But now he sees the importance, and he starts to get on board. You can see right there. He says, your brother, your brother. He knows the message. And how he knows the importance of getting that message out. Your message should be the same way. It should spread to those people. The they should understand and be also wanting to zealously get that message out. Zealously show other people what that message is and how to live it out. Let's see what it says in Acts. Acts 8, 34 and 35 say, And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. That last sentence right there. Then Philip opened his mouth and what did he do? He said, well, let me tell you, I, Philip, did this. I, Philip, can do this. No, no, no. He opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, the first thing he did was go to the word of God and told him about the gospel of Jesus. Now, what happened from there? Philip was a doer. He didn't just hear and know this. He opened his mouth and taught it. He was a doer. Then he talks to the eunuch. This is the Ethiopian eunuch. And right after that, the, the eunuch goes down to the water and is baptized by Philip. But he doesn't stop there. He could have just been a hearer. My life is now changed. I, the eunuch, am now changed. I'm different. That's awesome. My spirit is good. My soul is good. I will be going to heaven. But he didn't. He went out from there, preaching the word of God, planting churches in Ethiopia. How do we know that? Because some of those churches that that eunuch planted are still in Ethiopia. Some Ethiopian Christians can still trace back their salvation to the start of this church because this eunuch was a doer of the gospel. Thousands of people have come to a redemptive relationship of Christ because he didn't just hear what Philip said and accept it, And then stop. He went out and did, planting a church, growing people, and teaching them the word of God. Now, you might say, How do I do that? Well, even just these baptisms we had today, the testimonies that they gave, they just said what God had already done for them. At the base level, that's what you can do for people. Just tell them what God has done for you. I was at my lowest point. I was struggling with this and this and this, and I turned to the scriptures, and I asked Christ into my life, and now I'm different. I am changed. They can see the change in you. They can hear you pointing back to this scriptures, this word of God, this gospel, and that's simple enough. But maybe you don't think people will listen to you. Nobody's gonna to listen to what I say. They don't have to listen to you. They have to listen to the word of God. Hebrew says that the word of God is live and active, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword able to split soul and spirit. You just need to know the words so that when you deliver them, the words do the work for you. If you know those words, they're gonna do their job. The word will never come back void. If you are preaching what's in this book and you are communicating the gospel clearly because you understand what you believe, other people are gonna believe it too and the word of God will do the work to change their life, and move them to that same redemption that you had. Now, it's going to be difficult, and there are times where you're going to have to really push through and decide you're not going to quit. That brings us to point number three. Perseverance is difficult. This is both physical and spiritual. You may be going through a struggle. You may be going through one of those times where there's fire and gunshots. You have to persevere. Physically, but also spiritually. You have to get your spirit through that and persevere. But even more so, you have to persevere in the communication of the message that God has for us all. That message that you know, that you have hope in, that message has to persevere. Let's look at another clip. Now, one of the things you might've missed on that clip, maybe some of you caught it, but as he's getting out of the back of that truck, what are people saying to him? Good luck. Take some of that luck with you. I hope you get there. Why? Because he's communicating his message. Those people that he just met, that he's only been with those people for 30 minutes in that movie at most, they already know his message and are on board with it. They're supporting him and they're thinking, I want this message to get there. I support it and I want it. Because he was zealous about the spreading of his message as we as believers should be even more so. He's trying to physically save people in this movie we are trying to spiritually save people in this real life now you'll have the chance to quit you'll have the chance to be complacent and you know he could have taken that opportunity you know the movie goes on from there to show him struggling to get through and over a river he starts to get fired on people attack him because he took the way he was supposed to he didn't take a shortcut he didn't decide to quit or divert or not persevere he was like i can't because i'm running out of time and time is of the essence He understood the importance of the little time that he was given. Just so you know, no one has ever been saved by somebody else's complacency. Nobody has ever found a redemptive relationship with God because someone else heard and then said, I'm good, I'll just sit here. No, it is through the communication of the word of God that people get saved, not through just sitting on it and being complacent. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. We have multiple examples of it in the Bible. Let's start with Joseph Joseph was the the favorite son of his father. And uh, even to the point he gave him a a coat of many colors, many of you may know this story. And his brothers were jealous. He had a dream that he interpreted, and it showed that at some point he would be higher than his brothers. So what did they do? They they beat him up. No, they threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. Off he went. Then they lied to their father and told him that he was dead. Takes him off to Egypt, he's now a slave. He could have been complacent. He could have said, this is my life now. I'm a slave in Egypt, this is my life I'll just live out my life here. Nope, he didn't. He became the number one slave. He worked so hard that he got moved up and up and up until he was like the top reliable guy. He was good there. Then he had something happen. He was a false accusation that had him thrown in jail. He could have thought to himself, I worked all the way up to where I was doing good. And then this happens, now I'm in jail, so I'm just gonna live out my life here. But he did not. He became the leader of the prisoners persevering through, pushing through those hard times, everything, he's under attack through all different angles, physically under attack. But he knows that God has blessed him. So he perseveres. He finally, after a bunch of different circumstances, finds his way out. He interprets the Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh sees favor in him, brings him on as his second in command. And then at that point, he's able to bless the very people that put him into slavery to begin with. There's a famine in the land. His brothers come. He sees them at a distance, calls them in, says how happy he is to see him. says, bring my father to me. I want to see my father. I have missed you. I love you. He could have, in his position, he could have had them thrown in jail for what they had done, but he did not. Because that is not the message that he had. His message was forgiveness and grace, just as Christ shows all of us. Let's look at Daniel. Daniel, under King Nebuchadnezzar, he... Had a different set of beliefs. He had Jewish belief systems. He was totally different than anything that the king was making people follow. At one point, the first thing is the diet. He says, you have to eat off the king's table. And, and Daniel like, I can't do that. My God will not allow me to do that. That is not my belief. I can't do it. And they said, well, you have to. He says, how about this? Let me eat my way. You eat your way. We see who's better. He eats his way. He eats the way God wants him to. He does what God wants him to do, lives in God's plan, and He's elevated. Him and his people are better. They are healthier. Then he sees his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thrown into the fiery furnace because of their beliefs. He is one of the beloved of kings. The king realizes that Daniel is a great man. He's great among the other people. So he could have said, all right, I'm I'm living in the palace. My other friends already got thrown into a furnace. Now you're telling me, because you're trying to trick me, that I can't pray to my God for 30 days? He could have very easily said, all right, I mean... I've got a pretty good deal here. I'll just not pray for 30 days. Maybe this whole thing will blow over. He did not. He knew there may be physical pain that comes at him. He knew that he may be thrown into a fire. He may be punished. But he decided to persevere through that, doing what was best for his spiritual health, not his physical health. He was thrown into the lion's den. The Lord shut the mouths of the lions. He was delivered from that. The people that falsely accused him of something that set him up for failure were punished. He was lifted up, put into a higher stature than he was before because he followed God's plan for his life and carried his message through with perseverance. But I know what you're thinking. That's the Old Testament. Those are all the cool stories. Well, let's look at Paul. Was Saul on his road to Damascus persecuting Christians? That was what he did. He was radically transformed by God on the road to Damascus, made to be Paul, and then from out from there started preaching all across Asia Minor, started spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. He was beaten. He was arrested multiple times. He was hit with rods. He was stoned, but he kept going. He could have stopped at any point. I mean, he started the church in Corinth. He could have been like, all right, that's good. That's a big church. Let them do the work. Thessalonica, got a church there. Just let them do the work. Timothy, he's a great guy. I got a good communication one. Let him do it. He continued time after time, punishment after punishment, circumstance after circumstance, kept persevering so that we look at this Bible here, the New Testament, half of it written by Paul, what he experienced with Jesus, what he, what he knew the message of the gospel was to be to the people. This is what you preach. This is how you preach it. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing Right. So that millions of people have come to a redemptive relationship in Christ because he was a doer of the gospel and not just a hearer. Imagine if he had heard the words of God and then just stopped. But he did not. He persevered through, even to the point where Paul was beheaded and killed for his relationship and his zealous proclaiming of the gospel. How much more so should we care about the spiritual health of the others around us? Now let's see what it says in Acts 20, 24. I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You'll catch a theme here. Everything that I'm saying points back to the gospel. If only I can do this by the gospel, by the words of God, by preaching this. It says here that we are running a race. Races are difficult. If you've ever trained for a race, you know they are difficult. And if you've ever not trained for a race, it's because it's difficult. That's where I'm at. But even if you think a short race, you know, let's not talk about a marathon. Let's talk about a short race. You still have to train. You can't just go out and run a sprint and be good at it. You have to train time after time. You can't just be a hearer. If I told you right now, hey, you're going to run a race, you can't just get up and do it. You have to train. You have to be a doer. You can't just hear the gospel and think, oh, that's good enough. You have to train in it. You have to read the Bible. You have to hear the word of God. You have to pray that he opens up what's in here and reveals to you something new, something that you can then do for other people and be for other people. We will still suffer. We will still have things in our life that we feel we can't overcome, but we as believers are suffering for righteousness sake. There are non-believers that are suffering for what? They have no hope. The same hope that we have in our spiritual health, they only see in the physical. It is our job to guide them to that relationship so that they too have that eternal hope in Christ Jesus. That brings us to point number four in our notes. The message is the gospel. And the gospel is complete. It's done. Jesus already did it. He already came. He already died. He's already redeemed us of our sins. It's done. All we have to do is accept it and then deliver and be that message to the people that need it the most. Let's check out this last clip. John nineteen thirty says when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The impossible part is over. Jesus did it, he did it already. All we need to do is be zealous doers of the gospel and deliver his message.